Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight we pray that you're being blessed. I know that you're a blessing to me. So again, pray that you're being blessed, that you're well and healthy. Again, we are continuing our study in the book of Hosea, uh, chapter 8 specifically. So if you would join me in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we get to share together. We thank you that since your word says we're two or more gathered in your name, there you are. So we thank you for your presence here. Lord, we pray that you open our hearts and minds to your word. And once again, Lord, as always, keep me out of the way. Pray this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Okay. Again, the book of Hosea, uh, Hosea is the first of the so-called minor prophets, which is small in words or short in words, but mighty in meaning, uh, written about 750 B.C. to deal with Israel's unfaithfulness. Hmm, could be the same thing written to us today. So let's take a look and see what God has for us says right here, verse 1, Set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel will cry to me, My God, we know you. Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold they made idols for themselves, that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How long? Until they attain to innocence. For from Israel is even this, a workman made it, and it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. They sow the wind, they reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud, it shall never produce meal. If it should produce, aliens would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now they, now they are among the Gentiles, like a vessel in which there is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey along alone by itself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Yes, though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden of the king of princes. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, they have become for him altars for sinning. I have written for him great things in my law, but they were considered a strange thing. For the sacrifices of my offerings, they will, for the sacrifices of my offerings, they will sacrifice flesh and eat it. But the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. For Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. Judah has multiplied fortified cities, but I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces. Okay, let's see what God again has in store for us with this. Um, 
a title. This goes, actually, this goes under the heading, The Apostasy of Israel. And it starts off in verse 1, Set the trumpet to your mouth. Set the shofar to your mouth. They would blow a shofar to gather the people together, whether to be for worship or for battle. So, what is a shofar? Well, a shofar is a horn made out of a ram's horn. Uh, still used today uh, in synagogues and temples, mostly for gathering the people together for uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, this ram's horn is a big thing. Look it up on the internet. It's pretty interesting. I was talking to a... Uh, Jewish buddy of mine some years ago about the shofar, and he said, yeah, their congregation has this young guy who can really, really make that thing work. It's interesting because it's like, it's like a bugle. You know, there's no valving on it, and you have to just manipulate your mouth to get the different sounds out of it. But this is the trumpet they're referring to. Again, they blew the shofar either to gather for worship or gather for battle. Okay. And goes on to say, He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord. Uh, Assyria. Assyria is to swoop down like an eagle on its prey. Uh, ESV uses the word vulture instead of eagle. I think that might be a little more picturesque because when sin's around, you don't have a pretty bird. I don't believe a vulture is a pretty bird. Okay. Because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. This is why Assyria is going to swoop down on the house of the Lord there in Jerusalem. Because why? They transgressed his covenant and rebelled against my law. Verse 2, Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Well, not really. If they really knew God, they would not have transgressed against the covenant, nor would they have rebelled against the law. If we really know God, putting ourselves in Israel's position here, if we really know God, we will not transgress or rebel. Uh, that's not to say that we won't sin, <laughs> but we won't outright rebel against God. Okay, what does it say here? It goes on to say, Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Now let's let's look here. Matthew chapter 7. You can put your handy dandy bookmark there in Hosea and turn to Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you who practice lawlessness. And one more. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, But why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? Okay, this is the deal. Again, oh God, we know you. Do we? Do we do that? They didn't. Israel did not do that. Do we? Something to ponder. Verse 3 says, Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. Remember, this book points out, this book of Hosea points out the harlotry of the children of Israel. The harlotry. Them being unfaithful to God with foreign gods. Okay? So it goes on to say, verse 4, that they set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. James Boyce puts it this way, to choose leaders without the direction of God is not only sinful, but foolish. Those who follow their own wisdom in the choice of leaders inevitably get what they deserve. Hmm. You know, this, it's hard to believe that this was written over 2,700 years ago, isn't it? <laughs> ah, sounds like us today, getting what we deserve. We have yet to turn our faces back toward God. All right. From their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. Read about the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. Okay, My anger is aroused against him. How long until they attain to innocence? For from Israel is even this, a workman made it, and it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. If you create a God, who really is the God? Hmm. If you're the one who creates something, who is the cre- obviously the creator of that little God? You are. You become God. Interestingly enough, um, the Apostle Paul dealt with this. This is, this is really great. Uh, Really, turn with me to Acts 17. We'll look at the beginning of the 22nd verse. This is absolutely great. Because here's Paul. He goes into the Oropagus, which is there in Greece, where they have a whole bunch of philosophers in Athens talking about new ideas, all this different stuff. What's a new idea? So then they say, well, let's listen to this. Let's listen to this Jew guy, see what he has to say. Well, Then he stood, verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens, I I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Get that, religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord 
of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has from one blood, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him, namely Jesus Christ, from the dead, not made by the hands of men. Remember that. Remember that. Oh, Willie, we don't, we don't worship idols. Anything that gets between you and God, I sound like a broken record, anything that gets between you and God becomes an idol. Don't let it happen. Satan really likes to have you think these things higher than you think of God. Don't let it happen. Okay, now, verse 7. They sow the wind, and they reap the whirlwind. Boy, that sounds kind of unfair, doesn't it? That they, they sow something small and reap something large, meaning their sin, okay? Well, that just doesn't sound fair. That doesn't really sound like the old eye for an eye deal, right? You know, I, Scripture talks about there being an, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We all have heard this quote. Well, the idea was to set limitations on revenge, okay, or, or uh, on what justice was to do. Okay, so if you, pulled out, if you poked your neighbor's eye out, your eye needs to be poked out, this sort of a thing. But this sounds like it goes further, doesn't it? Well, what it is, is cumulative sin. It's sort of like, all right, um, drinking one beer more than likely will not damage your liver. Okay, Drinking one 12-pack of beer every night more than likely will. It's never too late to give up on drinking a 12-pack of beer. I'm a, I'm a testimony to that. But what I'm trying to say is that sin is accumulative and it affects you just as it's talking about here. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Okay. The stock has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it should produce, aliens will swallow it up. Okay. Remember... They are in an agricultural area so that there's going to be uh, farming references and a stock, like a stock of wheat is no good without the bud, right? If it doesn't have a bud, then there is no flower, there's no 
bread. It's no good. Okay. Then it goes on to say, aliens, if it should produce, the aliens will swallow it up. It's talking about what we produce as believers. What, 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 what is what we are doing producing? Is it producing good fruit? Or are we being judgmental about the guy on the corner? Are we being judgmental about the guy that doesn't look like us? Boy, I, you've probably heard this illustration come out of my mouth again, but it's one that really hit me. I was involved in a uh, Christmas parade in Yucaipa, California, and we were riding along in Rod Bauman's 29 tub, and we had a sign on the side that says, uh, Jesus loves hot rodders, and so do we at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And we really had a ball. And we were throwing candy and saying Merry Christmas to everybody. Get down the end, and here's this guy that looks like he fell into an open tackle box. All the piercings and all the tattoos. And I'm thinking, yeah, yes. And I said, Merry Christmas. And he looked back to me and said, well, Merry Christmas to you too. Boy, did that ever take the wind out of my sails. Did I ever think, rightfully so, what a jerk, Willie, because here you are judging this guy by what he looked like. It's easy for us all to do. We all, we all go off of the impressions when we see somebody. But don't allow that to uh, blind you to what people can really be. Okay? We need to be producing good fruit. Not sour, rot, rotted stuff. Not just plain stocks. Verse 8 says, Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the Gentiles like a vessel in which there is no pleasure. They are being conquered by the alien nations whose foreign gods they allowed in to their worship. Hmm, foreign gods that they, the children of Israel, served. Of course, we would never think of such a thing. Well, there's plenty of illustrations of that going on in our lives today. Verse 9, For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey alone by itself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Okay, Unbridled promiscuity, not just sexual promiscuity, which was going on again these foreign gods, one of the big things that they had, they had ritual sex, they had uh, temple prostitutes, all this kind of stuff going on. Okay, they're unbridled promiscuity, not just with others, but with foreign gods as well. Wild donkey. Well, really? <laughs> Sorry, a wild ass. And that's what we make of ourselves when we do these sort of things. Verse 10 says, Yes, though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden of the king of princes. Even though they are unfaithful, even though we are unfaithful, God shows them God shows us what? Mercy. 
Remember what this book started off as. We have, our, pardon me, our hero, Hosea, whom God instructed to marry a harlot by the name of Gomer. And they get married, have about three, have three kids. Gomer sells herself off as a select slave to somebody else. God instructs Hosea to buy Gomer back. Talk about a, a tough, talk about a tough object lesson. You know, those of us, those of us who have the um, responsibility to preach God's word are always looking for sermon illustrations. Man, that's one I'm sure God hasn't, sure glad that God hasn't put into my life. Yeah, this though is showing not only Israel's unfaithfulness, but God's mercy. Not only our unfaithfulness, but God's mercy. Verse 11, because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, they have become altars for sinning. <laughs> the commentary I would like to have on this should start with, well, duh. <laughs> if you open up a way for you to sin, what are you going to do? Sin. Bingo. Real simple. I have to say that uh, I have never stepped foot in a naked lady bar. Why? Because I know I'd probably like it, and I don't want anything to do with that, because that's going down that harlotry-type road. Yep, you know, uh, uh, pornography is very prevalent in today's society. I think more so than ever. Because you can just get on your cell phone and look at that. You don't even have to go into a dirty bookstore or anything like that. And it hits not only men, but women as well. Wow. Setting up an altar for sin. Giving us an opportunity to fall into that. And what does that do? Keeps us being unfaithful to God. Verse 12. I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. Israel had rejected God's word. Hmm. Of course, that's not pertinent to us today, is it? <sighs> you know, rejecting God's word and having God's word become a strange thing. Here's a uh, Charles Spurgeon note on this. If this be the word of God, speaking of the Bible, what will become of some of you who have not read it for the last month? Most people treat the Bible very politely. When they get home, they lay it up in a drawer until next Sunday morning. Then it comes out again for a little bit of a treat and goes to chapel. That is all the poor Bible gets in the way of an airing. That is your style of entertaining this heavenly messenger. There is dust enough on some of your Bibles, get this, to write damnation with your fingers. 
I don't believe that anybody that I'm talking to here, just by virtue of the fact that you're watching some old hot rodder guy on a Thursday night or whenever you get to watch this, talk about Scripture. I don't believe that's going on in your life. But if Thursday night's the only night that you're getting into God's Word or whenever you watch this, please, please, please open your Bible more often than that. Please open your Bible daily. You're missing out if you don't. See, that's, that's the big thing. You miss out if you don't. I'm not just trying... Please, please, please. I'm not trying to shove law down your throat or anything like that. Please, I'm not trying to tell you, you have to do this. You have to have this certain way of worship. No, no, no. I'm just trying to say, please, be in the Word of God because you miss out a whole bunch when you're not. Okay. Verse 13. For the sacrifices of my offering, they sacrifice flesh and eat it, but the Lord does not accept them. Again, like in last week's episode, their offerings are all show and no go. Now he will remember their iniquities and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. You think physically they'll return to bondage when we, when we reject God and his word as they did, they returned to bondage. You know, they were sent off in exile for a period of 70 years. When we reject God and His Word, we become in bondage. We are set free by God and His Word, especially through the saving grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. All that sin that we had in the past... All that sin that we're going to continue to do because we are, as Luther put it, poor, miserable sinners. And don't, I'm not trying to tell you that you're a worse sinner than I. I like what Paul said, chief of sinners, though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Okay. If we reject God and his word, we are in bondage. I'd rather not be in bondage. I don't know about you. For Israel... Verse 14, has forgotten its maker and has built tempers, temples which were outright idolatry. Judah also has multiplied fortified cities, which is more of a subtle way. Both are rejecting God and not trusting in God. They're trusting in themselves. They trust in the idols that they build. Who's the God? Those who built it. They trust in the fortifications of the cities. Who are they trusting in? Their own strength. Doesn't work out for them. But I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces. David Guzik puts it this way. Perhaps we can capture some of the ungodly heart of Israel and Judah by examining our own attraction to bigness and nice facilities. Hmm. What could be wrong with, with success and nice buildings? E they easily become idols if your heart turns from God. If God brings size and great buildings, it is wonderful. 
as long as we don't turn our eyes off him and making these things idols. Okay. Go over to Europe. See a lot of beautiful cathedrals. And the acoustics are done so when they had a choir, it just filled the whole place. Wonderful, beautiful. Go to the city of Wittenberg in Germany where Martin Luther in, let's see, that had been 1512, nailed the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg the door of the Wittenberg Church, starting the Protestant Reformation. Go to Wittenberg, Germany today, and I believe there's less than 10% who are believers in Jesus. But they sure have some beautiful buildings. Again, we don't worship the building. Another thing we don't worship is the worship service. You know, there are multiple ways that people feel comfortable of worshiping, Okay. A lot of guys my age and all aren't very happy with 16th century European worship styles, the organ and hymns and all that kind of stuff. They like more contemporary, which means modern stuff. Guess what that was back <laughs> in the 16th century? That was modern. But, but anyway, you don't, you don't worship the worship service. You are there to worship Jesus Christ. We don't worship the buildings. We don't worship the worship service. We don't go there to show how neato we look or anything like that. We gather together to worship our Lord and Savior. Why? Because He is worthy. Okay, I have to ask any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Seeing none from my producer, director, I have to say that if you do happen to have such things, especially questions, and I take smart aleck remarks too, uh, please uh, feel free to post them on Facebook or get a hold of us at hotrodbiblestudy.com and we'll be happy to address those questions, comments, and smart aleck remarks. And with that, may the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>